Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Hello, everybody. This is Alex and Diana from Calvary Church. And we want to take a moment to say thank you for all of your support. Because of you, we've been able to do so much. That's right. Because of your generosity, we have been able to pour back into our city, our home, and the world over $300,000. This means that your support and your generosity has gone to change people's lives, to feed the homeless, to serve families who have been in need, children be able to go back to school and give them resources that they need, and so much more. And so we want to thank you for your continued support because of you lives are being changed and people's needs are being met. That's right. Would you partner with us? At the end of every year, we have a Heart for the House campaign. And here at the end of this year, we want to say join us as we continue to make a difference in 2024. Would you pray and consider about partnering with us and how you can come alongside on the screens of the different ways you can partner with us? We love you. Let's continue making a difference. The word of the Lord in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, tells us this. Now, after Jesus was born, in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. We saw that this morning in our play. Saying, where is he who who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king, when he heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And he assembling all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And here's the prophecy. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me the word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, And they fell down, and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Those 12 verses is what I want to share out of this morning. Again, I won't take too much time. I know some of us already have the Cajachina going, and you got family waiting, and so we're going to try not to take too much time this morning. But Out of Matthew chapter 2, we're gathering this morning on Christmas Eve morning um, to think about Jesus, to pray, worship, and our prayer is that this morning, as we gather this Sunday morning, everything we do has highlighted and magnified Jesus, and we want it to get into our hearts and our souls. Amen? I want to talk to you uh, this morning out of this topic, miracle in a manger. Miracle in a manger. Let's pray, and we'll talk about Matthew chapter 2 for a little bit. 
and then we'll worship one more time and have the candlelight. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much. We thank you for this church. We thank you for each and every person that already joined us this morning and now in this service and the one to come. Thank you for people connected all over the world. Thank you for this household of faith. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for all that you've done all year long. You have been faithful. And now as we approach the end of the year, we just want to say thank you. We love you. Open up our eyes to see you in a fresh and brand new way. You are good and kind to us. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it, but you are awesome. And we love you, God. And so this morning, we give you all the glory and all the praise. And all of Calvary says, Amen. come on, all of Calvary Church says, Amen. can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. In, in Matthew chapter 2, we have wise men, um, astronomers who are searching for the new king. And they go on a journey and they are, they are searching and looking, trying to find the promised Messiah. It reminded me of a story that I heard years ago of the search of the old ancient city, El Dorado. Not the furniture store, but the, the city. In fact, El Dorado was first uh, known as a man that was covered in gold, that if you found him, you found prosperity and riches, and he would uh, bless your life. Then it became known as an empire or a city, the lost city of El Dorado. And in the 16th century, it became absolutely famous, and everybody was uh, on a search for it, on a hunt for it. A Spanish explorer, Sir Walton Raleigh, he became one of the men who was absolutely obsessed, committed to finding El Dorado. He's like, I need to find all of these riches. I need to find the gold. And if I do, my country will be blessed. I'll be good. My country will not have any lack. And, and he went on a journey to find El Dorado. He was so obsessed, so committed, that it literally took over his life. He lost men on the journey. He went multiple times and on multiple trips to try to find this lost city. I mean, he was just absolutely obsessed. I need to find these riches untold. Ultimately, it led to the death of his son in a battle. This man lost it all. At the end of his life, it actually ended up costing him his own life because he was so obsessed in finding these riches. And I thought about that, and I thought about the journey of the wise men because I think this is a picture of humanity. We are searching, looking, trying to find something that will satisfy our soul. Today, 2023, going to 2024, humanity is still trying to find what can satisfy the human soul. I need to find riches untold, whether that's peace, whether that's a salary, whether that's a career. We are looking, trying to find. In fact, what we are trying to find is significance, we are trying to find status. We are trying to find success. We are trying to find satisfaction. And we go to all lengths to try to find who am I? What am I to become? Where do I belong? And we know, come on, we know people in our own people groups that are searching and looking, who am I? Where do I belong? What will I become? And the problem is that we end up going to wrong places trying to find the right answer. And I think some of us know, we've talked to people, we've heard stories of people that have found it all, have done it all, and still can't find satisfaction. Because what we come to find out today is that empty places cannot fill hearts. There's no way that something that is limited 
something that is not spiritual, something that can't connect with what God created cannot fill you. Wow. So we, we've heard the stories. Come on, we've, we've heard of people who have it all. They've done it all. Everything that we can imagine a human being can attain. We've we seen people do it, and yet they're still empty. We've seen people drink, and yet they're still thirsty. We've seen people have, and yet they still feel like they're not satisfied. We're searching. We go to careers. I need a bigger salary. Maybe it's a bigger house. Maybe it's a new relationship. I, I need something to fill the void of the soul. And it's what Augustine said many, many, many years ago. He actually said, thou hast formed us for ourselves, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. It is God who created humanity, and we will be restless until we find out that the only true satisfaction comes from knowing him, having a relationship with him, worshiping him, living for him. That's when the human soul will find out that the God-shaped vacuum can only be filled by him. Salary won't do it. A house won't do it. A dog and a white picket fence will never bring the peace that only God can bring to the human soul. Can we tried it all? We've done it all. This Christmas, maybe some of us were hoping tonight somebody will finally give me the gift that I've been looking for. If you're like me, my birthday's two weeks early. That means I got nothing for Christmas. I'm kidding. My parents are here. They're always kind. Maybe, maybe this is the year where I finally find what I've been looking for. We search and we look. And maybe you're in here today, and this is how you walked in, still, still, honestly speaking. If you're transparent and honest today, nothing really brings me the peace. I've had the money, had the cars, had the relationships, had it all, and nothing can fill the human heart. And this is why we're celebrating today. This is why we're gathering. This is why we went all out through confetti. Some of it's still falling from the roof. This is why we had the kids play. This is why we go all out for Christmas Eve, because we finally found what we were looking for. I'll rephrase it. What we were looking for came and found us. When I couldn't get to him, he came down to me. That's the whole message of Christmas, that I was trying to find God, I was trying to find satisfaction, and one day he came down to earth, born in a manger, all the solution came to humanity. This morning, don't miss it. This morning, don't fall for the myth, and look at the gift called Jesus. He is what the world desires. He is the riches untold. He is all the treasures put together. Come on, his name is Jesus. And so I put it this way this morning, when nothing could help us, oh God, he sent everything to save us. When nothing else could help you or me, when we were tapping out, I'm done. Nothing else satisfies, nothing else fills, nothing else gives me status or success. I've had it, I'm still empty. He sent the greatest answer ever. This is what we're celebrating. Besides the gift, the trees, the lights, the pig tonight, besides all of that, we're celebrating the one who is the gift. We're celebrating the one who is the light of the world. Come on, Calvary. That's why we're gathering here. Christmas, don't miss it. Don't miss the reason why we are here. It is all because of Jesus. God sent it all to save you and I. When we were searching, he came looking for us. Today, maybe, maybe we're like the Magi. Maybe we are like Sir Walton Raleigh trying to look 
for El Dorado. And we're looking. Matthew chapter 2, there are these wise men, um, magis. They were astronomers, and they had studied scripture, and they knew that in the book of Numbers, there's a prophecy that a star was going to rise when the Messiah would be born. And so the astronomers, they know, they see the sign, they remember the prophecy. That means they knew scripture. They remembered the word of God, which is good to learn and read the word of God. And, and so they start making their way. And where do they go? They go to Jerusalem. Notice they go to Jerusalem. They don't go to Bethlehem. Why? Because if you're looking for a king, he's probably going to be in the palace. This is the newborn king, the baby king. For sure, there should be a party at the palace, like paparazzi's outside waiting to snap the first picture. Everybody's at the palace. There's a new baby in town. We see the tabloids when royalty has a baby, like people go crazy. And so they're all like, make our way to the palace. There's a party in Jerusalem. And they get to Jerusalem only to find out that's not where Jesus is. They get to Jerusalem and who do they find? They find Herod. And Herod is a counterfeit king. He's not the true king. He's a king who's trying to have the power he will never find on earth. He needs an encounter with the newborn king. Yeah. And so the wise men end up in Jerusalem. And, and I just think that's, that's, again, the picture of us. We end up going to the palace of self-sufficiency. Yeah. We go to the palace of satisfaction that this world offers. We go to the palace of salaries. We go to the palace of social media. We, we go to the palace of people-pleasing. We, we go searching for kings in all types of palaces. Maybe the palace of a new car will make me feel better. Maybe the palace of a new relationship will make me feel better. And all we're going to find is counterfeit kings. And so we worship. Everybody worships, whether you're an atheist or not, you worship. It's what you give your attention to. We all worship counterfeit kings. Until we have an encounter with the one true living king. And he's an eternal king. The wise men, they show up in the palace and Herod's like, what do you, what do you mean? A new king? Where? Where? I, I, I want to worship him too. Liar. He wants to kill him. Right? And so he's like, well, he's not here. Where, let's find out where he's to be born. People go back. They study the word of God. They realize it's in Bethlehem. The, the wise men leave and they see the star and they end up going to Bethlehem. Somebody say Bethlehem. They go to Bethlehem and there... You would, you would think that the king of the universe would be in a palace, but he's actually in a cave. A barn is what we've come to know it as, but it's really an, a back cave of a house. Not a back cave, a back cave. I was like, wait, let me just clear that up. Not a back cave. They worship Batman. No. Um, in a back cave, literally that's what the barns looked like back then. It put it in our modern day times, kind of like a basement. It's where you put your dogs to sleep at night, just go there. It's like that's where they had their, their barn animals in a back cave somewhere in a dark, lonely place. The Bible says that Matthew chapter 1 and the Gospel of Luke tells us that Mary and Joseph, and we heard this story a million times, but, but it's good to take a moment to reflect. Mary and Joseph, they made their way to Bethlehem because that's where Joseph was from. There was a census going on. And when they get there, there is no room for them at the inn. And it's what the age-old preacher Charles Spurgeon asked, today, do you have room for him in the inn of your heart? Because we have crowded hearts. We have crowded lives. That's why it's good to take a moment. Some of us, are, we're uncomfortable in silence. But just stop, reflect, and worship. 
we are so crowded. We, we made the mistake yesterday of doing last-minute shopping. Anybody did some last-minute shopping? Yesterday was insanity. Miami forgot. We already, we already don't use turning singles, but we forgot how to drive. We forgot how to talk. We forgot how to walk. I mean, what we saw yesterday is like, pray for our, we need 21 plus two, another 21 days of prayer and fasting for our city. I mean, it was bad, right? And we go out shop. It was crowded, trapped. There was accidents in every corner. It was insane. And as I went home and I started looking at the notes, getting ready for today, I, I, I thought, that's the picture of the human soul. Yeah, yeah. Crowded, just crowded. There's no... You think we have room for God? That's the last space we have in our soul, in our heart. Like, God, I'll remember him. Yeah, I'll go to the 24th in the morning, sing it, you know, the Biancitos, and then go home. I don't even know why it's the Biancitos. My wife's Colombian. We'll sing a few songs, and then we'll go home, and we are going to party tonight. <laughs> and it's like, wait, wait, we sh I'm glad we party, but are you partying for the right reason? Do you have space in your heart for the one who created the heart? Do you have room in your life for the king of the universe to say, I worship you, I honor you, I give you my soul, I give you my body, I give you all that I am because you are the only one that filled me with all the riches untold. What money couldn't do, you did it. What relationships couldn't do, you did it. It is him. Do we have room for him in the end of our heart? Jesus was an outcast from birth. The one whose heaven is his home became homeless. The one who sits on the throne is now laying down in a manger. He's in a manger. Now, this is crazy. This is what we celebrate today is the incarnation of God. The incarnation is absolutely beautiful. And it's God becoming human. God putting on human flesh. He loved you and I so much that he became human. And he, he laid down in a manger. It was Charles Spurgeon, the incredible great preacher again, who said, those tiny little hands in the manger one day will hold a scepter that will rule the eternal empire. It was the tiny little feet that one day would crush the head of the serpent. It was that little tongue Okay, I get excited too. It's Christmas Eve. <laughs> you about to make me shout. Hey, 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 glory to God. It was that little tongue. <laughs> it was that little tongue that one day would speak with wisdom that we've never heard before. God putting on human flesh, the incarnation of God is powerful. He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I who are sinners might become the righteousness of God. Whew. That's beautiful. I know me, I'm a sinner. I can never make my way to God. I tried, we all tried on our own. But God is so good, he came down to us. C.S. Lewis, he puts it absolutely beautiful. And it's a little bit of a lengthy quote, but I think... I couldn't find nobody else to put it better. He said, God descends to reascend. He comes down, down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity, down to the very roots and seabed of the nature he has created. I love this. But he goes down to come up again and bring the ruined world up with him. 
One has the picture of a strong man stooping lower and lower to get himself underneath something, some great complicated burden. He must stoop in order to lift. He must almost disappear under the load before he incredibly straightens his back and marches off with the whole mass swaying on his shoulders. Once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. He stooped low. God got off his throne and went so low, went, went down to a manger. The darkest cave, not, not in Jerusalem, not in the palace, not, not in a hospital. No, he went down to the darkest place you could imagine because one day he would reascend up and he would bring the whole world up with him, you included. That's beautiful. That is the incarnation of God. Today, maybe we're looking for God in the wrong place. Maybe we're looking for riches untold in all the wrong places. I don't want to miss Jesus this Christmas. We look for him in the big miraculous places and he's usually in the small places of our life. I don't know how I'll find God in this darkness. I don't know how I'll find God in my confusion. Alex, you have no idea where I've been. Can I tell you that's where God usually shows up the most. Today, maybe you're already, you're already canceling out some stuff that God wants to do in your life because you think God won't show up. And that's exactly where God shows up. What does the manger represent? Let's look at it quickly. What does the manger represent? What did it look like? This cave with this feeding trough, literally a manger was a, a feeding trough. Well, a manger really was three different things, I think, symbolically speaking. It was darkness, it was disorder, and there was despair. Like that's what symbolically a manger represented. You're talking about the back of a cave at midnight. Picture the dark, there is no light. There's Mary and Joseph in a corner there's some animals around them. There's a feeding trough. And it was there in that darkness where God shows up. No light. Today, some of us, this is a picture of our soul. I know we have mangers now. I know we put them in front of our house. That was not it back then. It was a place of, of nastiness, dark. That's where the, the animals go at night to eat and sleep. Like that's where, that's where God goes. Today, this is what some of our souls and hearts look like. Don't miss Jesus this Christmas. Try to find him somewhere else when he wants to show up in tragedy, in loss, in mistakes, in accidents, in right there where the mess is. That's where God shows up. It's, it's disorganized. There's disorder everywhere. There's animals everywhere. I mean, it's a messy place. It's in the messes where God shows up. And then there's absolute despair. Mary and Joseph, can you imagine? But an angel told me a prophecy and I'm giving birth to the king of the universe and here I am in a barn, in a cave with no lights. Life can feel like it's out of control and you're in despair. Here's the power of Jesus. Here's the power of Jesus. And we're about to close. The power of Jesus is that he turns the dark, hopeless places like a manger and a cross into now places of light and hope. Amen. Amen. Come on. The manger was not looked at something beautiful. The cross 
was pitiful. And now because of Jesus, he's turned the manger and a cross into places that represent light, hope, and life. Today, your life may look like a cross or a manger. Can I tell you, he shows up there. Don't miss God. He shows up in the disorder, in the disorganization. He shows up in despair. He shows up in the darkness, and he shows up with hope. He shows up with peace. He shows up with joy. This is what Christmas is all about. That's where God wants to show up today. Today, today, in your life, in my life. Take a moment, God. I've, I've probably been looking in all the wrong places. And you're right here in my confusion. Because you promised you would never leave me, nor forsake me. I'll close with three last things. We'll do the candlelight moment. And, and then we'll worship one more time and go home. What, what does he turn the manger into? The place that was dark, despaired, disordered, no control, no light, no nothing. What does he turn it into? Number one, now we realize we have hope in darkness. Because he came into the world because of what Jesus did on what we now call Christmas. Today, now we have hope in darkness. Somebody say hope. <gasps> darkness is no longer an enemy. It's now a place of hope. I don't know if you're like me, but I, I do not like darkness. I'm not scared of it. I don't like it. Not scared of it. But um, I'm the type, I wake up in the morning and I turn on all the lights everywhere. I turn on every light. I turn on, I turn on everything. Then I, I turn on every TV in the house, every radio in the house. I like, I like just, I'm a, maybe my daughter came out like me. I'm a party person. I like lights and I open every window. Dan is like, we open up the windows and the blinds. You don't have to turn on every light. We're wasting a lot on electricity. I'm like, I'm a Christian. I like light. I'm going to turn on all the lights. <laughs> and I usually don't like darkness, but, but now in life, I realize God often does his finest work in the darkness. We want to find God in the light moments of our life. Me, in my own experience, I've usually found God the most, heard from God the most, been formed and shaped by God the most in the darkness. In the light, we can praise Him, but it's in the darkness that He makes us. And because Jesus showed up in the darkest moments, you and I today, we have hope. Christmas represents hope. Get a homeless couple, get a dark place, and hope shows up. Today, you may be walking through a dark moment. Guess what? You may be walking in darkness, but you walk through that darkness with some hope. That's right. That's right. The Bible says in Hebrews 6, 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I have a hope. Life may throw tragedy at me. Life may throw confusion at me, but I have hope in darkness that he's with me because that's where God shows up. And that's where he's doing a work in my life. Because of Jesus, I have hope. You know what hope does? Hope helps you wait on the Lord. That's right. Amen. That's right. Some of us don't like that. We don't like to wait. Some of us waited long enough in lines already to buy a, a gift for people we don't like with money we don't have. I know, I got you. But, but listen, hope helps you wait. When you have hope in your heart, it does not matter if you're walking through darkness. It does not matter if you're walking through despair. When you know that God's word is true, you will wait in the darkness saying, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to lose my mind because the God that promised the Messiah, oh, on that given day, he came into a manger, into a cave. If he did it back then, he's going to be faithful today. And if he's faithful today, he's going to be faithful tomorrow. I'm going to wait on the Lord. And those who wait on the Lord, he'll renew their strength. Hope helps you wait. 
Help, hope helps you go the distance. I'm not giving up. It might be darkness, but I'm not giving up. Number one, we have hope in darkness. Number two, we have joy in loss. Loss. We all suffer loss. We've all gone through loss. We, we will all lose. We'll lose money. We'll lose status. We might lose careers. We might lose relationships. We might lose family. We'll go through grief. But because Jesus was born in this feeding trough, oh, today you can have joy. Because listen, joy is not happiness. I'm not talking about happiness this morning. We're not here clapping, jumping, and dancing because we're happy. We are happy, but, but my life is not based on happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. Joy is based on what I believe. In other words, I have joy not based on my circumstances. I have joy based on my conviction that I know who he is. I know what he's done and I know what he's going to do. That's why I have joy in spite of the loss that life may throw at me. Are you hearing me, Calvin? Oh, the birth of Jesus? It was to cause great joy, Matthew said. Luke, we read it. We've seen Charlie Brown and Snoopy talk about it. Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you bad news. I bring you okay news. What does it say? I bring you... Come on, how many know our world needs some good news today? Come on, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Jesus, the Son of God, is born this day. Oh, come on, that causes joy. That causes some joy on the inside. I got joy in spite of what I get tonight, in spite of what my family, I got joy on the inside because Jesus has been born. He was born. 33 years later, he laid his life down and then resurrected. He overcame sin and death for you and for me. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Number one, we have hope in darkness. Number two, joy and loss. And number three, we'll finish with this. Because of Jesus and Christmas, we have peace in confusion. I was searching for El Dorado. <laughs> we were searching for riches untold in all kinds of places. Some of us, we walked in here today searching. What can fix me? What can help me? Some of us, we've had it all. We, we have it all today, and we're still unsatisfied. Because of Jesus, today I have, I have hope in darkness. I have joy in the midst of loss. And I have peace in the middle of confusion. God's got me. Can you imagine the confusion of Mary and Joseph? Can you imagine the confusion of the wise men saying, not in the palace, in in a barn? But the one that was born is the Prince of Peace. He is peace. Peace is not an emotion. Peace is a person. And his name is Jesus. Today, I'm not saying that we have peace because there's an absence of trouble. We have peace because there's the presence of Jesus in our life. It's God with us, Emmanuel. I have peace because God is with me. He's with me. He's involved in my life. He cares. Today, I don't know who's here, how you walked in here. Here's what I tell you. God wants to be with you so that you can have peace that surpasses understanding. Jesus, toward the end of his life, look at what he says. John chapter 14. This is 33 years later after the barn, after the cave, after 
He was born in a manger. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. The world gives temporary peace. Jesus gives eternal peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Come on, that's good news. Peace. Today, I wonder if you have peace. I wonder if you're searching and looking for peace. Tonight is Christmas Eve. We're going to gather maybe with some friends or family. I want you to take a moment, regardless of what you get, you already got the greatest gift humanity could ever find. His name is Jesus. We have hope. We have joy. And we have peace. Why we have peace is because the Prince of Peace came and he made us that were sinners become the righteousness of God. We're no longer at war with God. The Prince of Peace in Hebrew is Sar Shalom and it literally means the restorer of wholeness. Diana used to love this show. Thank God she got over it called Fixer Upper. And uh, we had projects every week. Fixer Upper, they grabbed this old house that's been beaten up, torn down, an old house. And, and they would go in there and this couple would completely rent it. I mean, it looked absolutely brand new. To restore, to make brand new again. The Prince of Peace means he is the restoration of wholeness. Why I celebrate tonight, today, why I'm so thankful is because I've been made brand new. From the inside out, I got peace. Today, are you at war with God? We're sinners. Our sin makes us already be at war. You can't experience the peace of God until you're at peace with God. Today's a beautiful day to begin. I want us to stand up to our feet all across this place. In the auditorium, additional seating. Why don't we stand up to our feet for a moment? We're about to leave, and if you can, hold just a second. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If we could all be in a moment of worship and prayer, thank you for your patience. Again, I know service had to start five minutes later because of traffic and the accident and all that, but thank you so much for your kindness and patience. I'm going to ask everybody to be still for a moment. With every eye closed, every head bowed, I want to talk to some people that are here in this room in additional seating online that today you walked in and you're searching. You're searching for El Dorado, the riches untold. You're searching for significance. You're searching for satisfaction, success. What can finally give me the peace that I've been looking for? With every eye closed, every head bowed as we're all praying. Maybe you're in here and you've tried it all. You've done it all. Or maybe you've had it all. You have it all today and you're still unsatisfied. With eyes closed, the Bible says that each and every single one of us, we're sinners. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is not one perfect person in this place. We've all sinned, we've all done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. And our sin offends God because God is holy, 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 the Bible says. Yes, he's love. Yes, he's madly, deeply in love with us, but he, He's holy and he can't be with sin, so our sin separates us from God. The Bible says we are all separated from God. The Bible says that the wages of sin or the end of sin is death. Some of us in here, we know that we've experienced death in our mind, in our soul, in our emotions. Sin will kill you slowly. It'll kill you mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Many of us, we know that sin will also kill you physically many times. The Bible says the wages or the end of sin is death. 
But the Bible also says and continues, but the gift of God is eternal life. Oh, sin comes with one result, but God came with the greatest gift ever, and it's the gift of life and light to the fullest. With every eye closed, every head bowed today, if you're looking for peace or you're looking for hope, maybe you're saying, Alex, this sounds okay, but I'm full of sin. That may be true, but I want to tell you today there's peace, there's forgiveness, there's hope for you. The Bible says that Jesus came. He was born in a manger, in that cave, in that feeding trough, in that dark, desperate place. 33 years later, as a man, he went down to a cross. He was humiliated and he died there on that cross. He went down to a grave for three days, but after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. Jesus is alive today. I'm telling you, he's offering you the life that you could never imagine. No money could do it. No one night stand can do it. The alcohol can't do it. Vices can't do it. The only one that can bring you peace of mind, peace of your soul, his name is Jesus. I'm on us all praying all across the auditorium with eyes closed, heads bowed, here in additional seating online. Today I'm going to make one prayer and then we'll have our candlelight moment. But if you're here and you say, Alex, I need Jesus, I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to point you. I'm not going to give you a mic. Every eye closed, every head bowed as we pray in a moment of privacy and prayer. Come on, I want church praying, pastors praying. If you're here and you say, Alex, I need that peace. I need forgiveness. I need Jesus. What a beautiful day on Christmas Eve to give your life to God and say, God, today I repent. Forgive me. All that word means is I turn around. I've been walking the path of destruction. I've been going to the palaces of this world and I can't find it. Today, I want to turn my direction to you. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess through the mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Every eye closed, every head bowed at the count of three, if that's you. I want you to raise your hand at the count of three. Hold it up high enough, long enough for me to see you. I'll see who I'm praying for. Then you can put it right back down. Today, on Christmas Eve, you're saying, I want the gift. I want Jesus. I want peace with God. I want forgiveness. Raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can. Raise it up. Raise it up. Raise it up. All over. All over. Raise it up. Raise it up. I see you. I see you. I see you. We're going to pray together. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. Amazing, amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Put your hands down all over the auditorium. I'm going to say a simple prayer. All of you who raise your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. In fact, all of Calvary Church, we're going to say this out loud. As one big family, repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, together say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. From today on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Oh, come on, Calvary, can we give them a big, big hand? Come on. Wow. Come on, there's a party in heaven right now. Come on. Amazing. Hands went up all over the auditorium. If you made that decision, I want to tell you, we actually have a free gift for you today. You just made the best decision of your life. We have these white bags outside. They have a coffee cup, a notebook. More importantly, they have a Bible. We want to help you. And so pick it up on the way out. That's your first Christmas gift today. Pick it up on the way out.